there's nothing wrong There's a code of silence and it can't go on I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 19th of August, 2009. Newcomers, look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website, and what you try to do first thing off the bat is take note of all the other sites I have, bookmark them for future use in case any of the main sites go down. Hopefully, you'll be able to still download shows if that happens. And remember, too, that... There's a site there, it's the European site, it's alanwattsentinel.eu. That site will also have all the audio shows, plus it has a lot of transcripts of these shows. They're written in the various languages of Europe for print up, so you can download those for free as well. And I'll say off the bat too uh, that you've got to help keep me going by donations when you can or buy that which I have for sale on the website. I don't have much for sale because I don't have time to just churn out material. And if I have a month off, I could churn out an awful lot of material to keep me going. But we are living really, really in the middle of an incredible war that most people don't even know that's going on. So therefore, I have to keep doing what I'm doing here and putting out information while I can still do it to the people. And hopefully, I know this is true too from feedback I've got, a lot of people truly are uh, getting the message. They're getting the message that things stink, that whatever's coming out of politicians and the global society boys at the top of the United Nations stinks, and they're, they're getting their backs up about it and getting very indignant. And thank goodness, because it's about time members within the public start becoming indignant. We've been taught to be apathetic for so long, trained to be, in fact, and once you start getting that indignancy back, you start getting some self-respect back, and you've got to start teaching your public servants to start serving you for a change instead of dominating you and ordering you about. Because truly, we're, we're in a prison camp. That's what's been created worldwide, a planned prison camp under different guises. They've brought terrorism in and so on. But it's just to do with a new way, a new world order, as the big boys call it. Mr. Brown called it that himself at the G20 meeting. And many others have called it that, the new world order. A new way of living for us, where we all obey uh, officials of all kinds and, and strokes, etc. Um, obey them without question. That's called governance. That's the new system that they believe uh, they should use to rule the world from here on to ever after. Remember, too, that, uh, as I say, you can donate to me through PayPal, etc. That's on my site, how to do it. You can also go in to cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You'll see the things I have for sale and how to order them, too. There's a box that will take you right to the ordering page. And I need that to keep me going. Thanks to those who regularly donate. There's only a few. And thanks also to some of the new ones who have managed to to tune in, hear me for me for the first few times, and it's the first time for donating. That's much appreciated because I really fork out the cash here faster than you can imagine. And as I say, this is the middle of a war. It truly is. And we're going into the next phase of it now where the big boys at the top have literally, using strategy, put incredible people 
into government as advisors, people who belong to the world eugenics society, as you might say. They call it different names, bioethicists, etc., but all to do with population reduction. That's what it's about. A very old dream that, that, that the socialists had, the Fabian socialists had, for a hundred years, and lo and behold, it's all here. And they've had many meetings on how to make it happen, and the technique is just coming from the corner. I'll be back with more on this topic after these messages. Alan Watts, and we're cutting through the matrix. Talking about something that uh, is so important because there's so much data, and I've given a lot of data about the big eugenicists like Sir Crispin Tickle, a man that's good for a laugh, but he advises Prince Charles on the need to reduce the populations drastically. And you have the same thing in the US, John Holdren, the, the science czar and a whole bunch of panels, the experts supposedly that he's in charge of, and he's got the ear of Obama. Everything's been lined up across the world, not by chance at this time. And lo and behold, along comes a World Health Organization's um, fantasy flu. They've had lots of fantasy flus in the past, but this is a great fantasy one too, because outside the media hype, and I've read articles from the media itself admitting this, uh, there's nothing really happening. And we know that all the, the, the hyperbole about this uh, flu that, that's not doing much at all um, doesn't jive with this in incredible overreaction of governments. All governments. On, again, on board. Synchronicity, isn't it? When you look at what happened in 9-11, they all came out with the same anti-terrorist laws all over the world at the same time because they were all planned in advance, you see like a league, as they call it, treaties, etc., to go into action all together, all in the same path, because we're global. We're global, you see. And we're only national when they want you to go and fight a war. Suddenly they bring up the national flag, but otherwise we're global. And, um, and this killer flu hasn't emerged yet. It has to evolve into a killer, killer flu. And this is the first time in history uh, that the scientists just know is going to somehow evolve into killer flu. You see, technically all flus can evolve into killer flus, but it's never really happened this way before, you see. But this one's just definitely going to do it around October. But lo and behold, they've come up with the, the jabs to give everybody, and they want to make it mandatory. Well, personally, because nothing makes any sense to me, I won't be taking it. I don't care what to do. I ain't taking it. Because I've got too much data on the big pharma companies in league with, again, the big eugenicists, etc. And the names and directors on many of these big boards of pharma and government panels, they're all the same names into eugenics, population reduction, etc. I hope you realize that. Does that make you feel better? Does that make you feel safer, what I've just said? Well, I hope not. I hope you're starting to get the message here. A massive overreaction. We've just been cleaned out by the banks. We've been cleaned out by governments who are paying back the banks after cleaning us all out. And you've got a crisis following it immediately with a, a, a non-existent yet 
killer disease. And so more billions have to get, are pumped out to make sure we all get jabs from these same people who keep telling us there's too many of you. Too many of you. Over and over, from, from the rooftop, they're doing it now, like the Optimum Population Trust advising Prime Minister Brown over there in Britain. Every country's got their, their, their um, branch of the OPT. Every country. And advising governments. So what do they want to do? Save us or kill us? Which, which is it? Toss the coin here. Because it's the same people that shout from both sides of their mouths. What do we know about the last so-called swine flu? One soldier died of it in a military camp. And at least that's what they claimed killed him. And remember, the military has declassified so much in the past of experimental tests have done on biowarfare with the troops. I've got stacks of it here I'm going to do in a future show. Declassified from Canada, from the UK, from from um, the States. Lots and lots and lots of it. And I, I will do it in, in, a, in a... But anyway, getting back to this particular flu that happens before when Ford was on. And one, one died of it. And so they were into the, into the same kind of thing again. A massive inoculation program for all Americans. And down they came. Down they came by, first by the dozens and the hundreds with paralysis and strokes. Then many more died too, outside of the official statistics. Many more died and were crippled. And it was put down to other diseases and so on, other causes. And what's happening this time? Same darn thing. It's going to happen. The Mail Online, the Mail Online today says, Swine flu jab link to killer nerve disease. A leaked letter reveals concern of neurologists over 25 deaths in America. And this was the, this was the 15th of August, 2009. A warning that the new swine flu jab is linked to a deadly nerve disease has been sent by the government to senior neurologists in a confidential, that's like a secret letter, they're not supposed to tell anybody. The letter from the Health Protection Agency, are they going to protect your health or, or give us an option of deciding for ourselves? The Health Protection Agency, the official body that oversees public health, has been leaked to the mail on Sunday, leading to demands to know why the information has not been given to the public before the vaccination of millions of people, including children, begins. It tells the neurologists that they must be alert for an increase, to be an alert for an increase in a brain disorder called Guillain-Barr syndrome, which could be triggered by the vaccine. It's caused by the vaccine. That's what they found the last time. GBS attacks the lining of the nerves, causing paralysis and inability to breathe, and can be fatal. The letter sent to about 600 neurologists on July the 29th is the first sign that there is concern at the highest levels that the vaccine itself could cause serious complications. At first, the use of a similar swine flu vaccine in the U.S. in 1976, when more people died from the vaccination than from swine flu, 500 cases of Guillain-Barre syndrome were detected. So there was much more than that with them under different diagnoses like multiple sclerosis and so on. 
similar symptoms. The vaccine may have increased the risk of contracting GBS by eight times. The vaccine was withdrawn after just 10 weeks when the link with GBS became clear. The U.S. government at that time was forced to pay out millions of dollars to those affected. Well, now they've given themselves the right not to be sued. It's wonderful when you're in charge of law, isn't it? And they've also given the farmers rights, the companies rights not to get sued, protection. Concerns have already been raised that the new vaccine has not been sufficiently tested and that the effects, especially on children, are unknown. It's been developed by pharmaceutical companies and will be given to about 13 million people during the first wave of immunization. The first wave. This is war, isn't it? That's what they're in war. We have waves, you know. <clears throat> Expected to start in October. Red October, eh? The love of October. Top priority will be given to everyone aged six months, six months, <laughs> to 65, with an underlying health problem, pregnant women and health professionals. The British Neurological Surveillance Unit, that's beautiful, isn't it? You've got a surveillance unit now, BNSU, part of the British Association of Neurologists, has been asked to monitor closely any cases of GP, GBS as the vaccine is rolled out. One senior neurologist said last night, I would not have the swine flu jab because of the GBS risk. So there's the neurologists themselves. Oh, they'll be okay. But I'll tell you what the doctors do. See, they sign each other down in official reports as having had the shot. That's what they, they cover for each other when they didn't get the shot at all. But the general public don't have that option, do they? They can't get someone to lie for you. But they're going to do it for themselves. Guarantee you. They've always done it before. It says there are concerns that there could be a repeat of what became known as the 1976 debacle in the U.S. when a swine flu vaccine killed 25 people, more than the virus itself. A mass vaccination was given the go-ahead by President Gerald Ford, it was, you know, because scientists believed that the swine flu strain was similar to the one responsible for the 1918-19 pandemic, which killed half a million Americans and 20 million people worldwide. Well, actually, as I say, too, it's really interesting because it broke out in, in uh, Europe. With, and it was, first, it was brought over by troops returning home from World War I, and they'd all been given their first flu shots for the first time in history. And it was that uh, Aventus uh, company I mentioned last night, uh, that Pasteur Aventus one from the States. It was a Rockefeller-managed operation at that time, too. Look into the histories of it. It's fascinating. But it says here, within days, symptoms of GBS were reported among those who'd been immunized, and 25 people died from respiratory failure after severe paralysis. One in 80,000 people came down with the condition. In contrast, just one person died as swine flu. That was the very first one that was reported, guy in the military. More than 40 million Americans had received the vaccine by the time the program was stopped after 10 weeks. The U.S. government paid up millions of dollars in compensation to the affected. Since the swine flu virus in the new vaccine is a slightly different strain from the 76 virus, but the possibility of an increased incidence of Guillain-Barre syndrome remains a concern. Shadow Health spokesman Mike Penning said last night, the last thing we want is secret letters handed around uh, experts within the National Health Service. We need a vaccine, but we also need to know about potential risks. Our job is to make sure that the public knows what is going on and why. Why is the government not being open about this? It's also very worrying if general practitioners who will be administering the vaccine are not being warned. See, it's only neurologists who are being warned. 
two letters were posted together to neurologists advising them of the concerns. The first is delayed July the 29th. It was written by Professor Elizabeth Miller, head of the HPA's immunization department. It says the vaccines used to combat an expected swine influenza pandemic in 76 were shown to be associated with groin bar syndrome and were withdrawn from root use. GBS has been identified as a condition needing enhanced surveillance when the swine flu vaccines are rolled out this time. Back with more after this break. I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix reading an article from the mail online. And remember, all these topics that I mentioned will be, the links will be up on my site at the end of the show. And talking about this upcoming uh, flu shot and all the warnings I've given out to select neurologists, etc., to watch for growing bar syndrome, but there's other, other things to watch for as well. And don't think it's just growing bar syndrome. There's a lot of, I mean, a lot of nasty things that will come out of this. There always are with vaccines. It says here, uh, it says here that um, but vaccine experts warn that the letters proved the program was a guinea pig trial. Dr. Tom Jefferson, coordinator of the vaccine section of the influential Cochrane Collaboration, an independent group that reviews research, said new vaccines never behave in the way you expect them to. It may be that there is a link to GBS which is certainly not something I'd wish on anybody, but it could end up being anything because one of the additives in one of the vaccines is a substance called squalene. I've talked about squalene before, and none of the studies we've extracted have any research on it at all. Now, he says here, squalene is a naturally occurring enzyme. Now, that's true. You get it in the body, but only within the joints and within the capsule of synovial, what they call synovial joints. It's a capsule, so they're contained inside those joints. But it says here, um, it said here that, that um, what, he doesn't, what he doesn't say, I'll add to what you should have said with the squealing here. The squealing is added to this, but it's altered as well. It's not natural squealing. It might say it's weaponized. It's meant to, to get your immune system going into a war mode right to the site of the injection in hope, they say, that um, your, your immune system will find the target, the target itself, the virus, and start making um, antibodies against the, the, the virus that they're going to put into you, which they say is weakened. So many batches are live. That happens in all of them, too. That's why they keep the, the batch lots, you see, the numbers. But this squalene, as I say, is a weaponized squalene. So what your body does... It, yeah, it goes into the war mode, sure enough. It might or might not uh, even bother with uh, the, the, the virus. It could be secondary. It might leave it alone. But what it does is once it's gone through and uh, killed off, your, your antibodies have killed off all this incoming poison and, and so on, it's now in the war mode against quote, squalene. And where will it find it? It goes all through your body looking for squalene to kill. And it goes for your natural squalene inside the joints, you end up with massive crippling rheumatoid fever and arthritis and often for life spines racked, everything's racked, completely kaput and they know this too 
So really, I mean, people have not been... See, the whole thing here is there's no informed consent. No informed consent. It was tradition in medicine you could not do anything to any patient without informed consent. You've noticed probably over the years, anyone who's visited a hospital or a doctor, you just basically do what you're told now. They don't expect to tell you anything. If that's a question, it's like an insult. Like, who, who are you to ask this question? But that's what they're supposed to be trained in, to tell you the dangers involved in everything, the pros, the cons, etc., and let you decide and make it voluntary. But not now. No, just you're too ignorant, you see. You just don't understand these things. That's what they tell you. See, I've, I, I've been trained in this, and I, I understand. It took me forever to explain something to you. You're so simple. That's, that's what they'll tell you, basically. That's what they're definitely thinking. <laughs> Informed consent. So anyone who just goes and gets a shot, well, good luck to you. Good luck to you. It's up to you. But remember, there's much more to this swine flu nonsense than meets the eye because there's no reason for it whatsoever. This so-called, most doctors and different surveys that have been done think that any flu that's going around the now that most folk are getting, or, or that anybody's getting at all, I should say most, is just a normal, a normal common flu and not the swine flu. And no one's taking swab tests or anything to check to see if it is. Anybody with a sniffle has been diagnosed with swine flu. And the World Health Organization loves this because they want something to validate their, their existence and their reason for being. They want this so badly. So badly. I've even got quotes from some of them at the top that they need this. They need it. To get more power. Because, you see, they're supposed to eventually be the rulers of all our health care, etc., across the, for the whole planet. That's what they were set up to do under the United Nations. Here's an article here to show you, too, the other side of it, how society has changed into this totalitarian state. And I'm glad, I'm glad this mainstream picking up on some of this. I've been young about it for ages, but uh, some, who knows, maybe they hear, and they're starting to say things, things that they should have said long ago. This is from the Mail Online, August the 17th. It's paranoid suspicion, obsessive surveillance, and the land of liberty destroyed by stealth. 11th, and it's just, it was uh, last updated 11th of August 2009 by Henry Porter. Returning to Britain from a summer holiday abroad, you begin to notice things that perhaps escaped your attention before. The huge number of cameras and fester public spaces, and much less obviously the atmosphere of watchfulness and control that has now become a way of life. This is the regime that 12 years of new labor have imposed in Britain, a place of unwavering suspicion, paranoia, and obsessive surveillance. We become the sort of society we would have unhesitantly have rallied against a few years ago. We'll be back with more on this topic, because it's really worldwide, after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Reading another article from the Mail Online to do with the creeping totalitarianism. It's not creepingly, I think it's rushing ahead now. 
And at least, as I say, the reporters are getting it right for the first time and seeing some of the things he should have said years ago. But it says here, here, we become a sort of society we would have unhesitatingly have rallied against a few years ago, but because the change has been brought about by such stealth, meaning incrementalism, we're the very last to see it. If you're in the middle of it, you don't see it. You see, you just, you just adapt little by little by little until you're in the cage. The latest figures in a report by the Interception of Communications Commissioner, even to have that, eh? Interception Commissioner of Communications, Sir Paul Kennedy, are truly terrifying. The reveal that a request is made every minute to snoop on someone's phone records or email accounts. Every minute. Last year alone, there were 504,073 new cases of state-sanctioned surveillance, the equivalent of one adult in 78 being watched, and a rise of 44% over two years. Whatever happened to our centuries-old traditions of freedom? Voltaire called England the land of liberty. Until new labor materialized with this intrusive and character-improving agenda, that description rang true. The English preferred freedom and tolerance to ideological and religious fanaticism. The currency of our society was common sense. No longer common sense has been replaced by officially sanctioned mistrust. Mistrust that allows anyone invested with the, the tiniest bit of authority often in the form of a highly of a high visibility jacket as we will be on the on the roads at night to throw their weight around and that's true all the control freaks right to the bottom suddenly all know they're in charge britain is now a place where terror laws have been used by council to spy on people breaching smoking bans etc terrorism laws please routinely stop anyone who photographs a public building in one instance deleting the pictures taken by a 69-year-old Austrian tourist who is admiring the architecture of a Vauxhall bus station. This is, and if the authorities are behaving like this today, what will they be like? What will they subject us to in the run-up to the 2012 London Olympics? Wardens in Brighton already habitually seized drink from people on the mere suspicion that they plan to consume it in a public place. And in Edinburgh, a swimming pool attendant stopped the 85-year-old mother of TV presenter, presenter Nikki Campbell from taking pictures of her grandchildren. These stories have become part of her national life, and there are thousands of them each year. I know this because my researcher crawls local and national newspapers for examples every morning. What they add up to is a depressing account of a nation infant, infantilized, made into infants, basically by micromanagement and fear. We're losing something essential to national identity. Foreigners who know what is going on here cannot believe that the British show such little regard for their freedoms. Even Americans, the most jumpy people in the world, are unsettled by Britain's paranoia. Government policies largely blame. Labour has instilled an endemic culture of suspicion in Britain, which is manifest in the three and a half thousand Three and a half thousand new criminal offences brought in over the last 12 years. Three and a half thousand new criminal offences. Labour is also behind a flurry of new databases that either leach personal information from each one of us or require innocent members of the public to go through an endless rigmarole of proving themselves to the state. The scale of this project is vast. The state and its agencies are amassing increasing quantities of data about its citizens, writes Jill Kirby, and director of the Center for Policy Studies in a recent pamphlet. She lists them as including the DNA database, 
centralised medical records and the children's database. Canada has exactly the same thing. Every Commonwealth country has the same departments now. The states has the same things too, except they often call them different names. Contact point. This is database contact point. That's the children's database. This data, she says, has proliferated to levels previously unseen in peacetime Britain. It was never seen in wartime Britain. Never. An institutionalized pessimism has taken over. The clear message of government is that we are incapable of managing our lives. I've said that over and over. I think the guy's been listening. And must be watched and regulated by ministers and civil servants from dawn to dusk. More sinister is the assumption that we're all in some way guilty of harboring the worst intentions. Up to 11 million people who work with children, music tutors, babysitters, football coaches, and even parents who have exchanged students to stay will now have to join a new database at a cost of £64 and undergo criminal checks. Writers such as Philip Pullman and Anthony Horowitz, who regularly visit schools, are among those who have roundly condemned the scheme. So it's, it's just escalating into this planned totalitarian society, which is utterly Fabian because Wells went through this kind of system in his own book, uh, A Modern Utopia. That was their agenda. But he also went through the depopulation plan and how they'd sterilize those that were unfit to breed, and eventually they'd all simply die off, and they wouldn't pass their nasty old genes on to any offspring, and they'd have this wonderful robotic society. And guess what? You're living through it. You're living through it. Amazing, isn't it? We're all living through it. And most folk out there who don't listen to shows like this never know. They don't know. They haven't a clue. Haven't a clue. These are the same people who lived through the free trade negotiations and NAFTA that was part of it, that was a follow-up to it for the integration of the Americas to copy Europe and bring in the same free trade relationships, etc. The integration under a common parliamentary system for the Americas. Most folk don't know that. They lived through the transfer of business and factories over to China and then seeing that everything was made in China. They didn't think for a minute about, like, oh, that was... What was it? Where was it made before? See, most folk really are never really conscious. They're not really conscious. They're conditioned, they're pleasant, but they're not really conscious. They don't notice what happen happens in their environment around them. That's why you can put all these cameras up little by little by little, and that's what Skinner said. The behaviorist, if you want to change society, you change something in their environments. And once they adapt to it, you'll change it a little bit more, a little bit more, until you've completely altered their way of living and it's all been done <clears throat> this article here is from the Times of India amazing this is, hasn't been all over the media too and it says the, the free trade association with ASEAN that's the E-S-E-A-N that's the, the, the Asian society block that they're creating for this massive trading block it's not just the European block and the Americas they've got this other block as well it says, to eliminate duties that should taxes on 80% of traded goods. The 14th of August, 2009, New Delhi, the major success in its look-east policy, India on Thursday signed a free trade agreement 
with a 10-member association of Southeast Asian nation, ASEAN, that's for short, bloc that would eventually eliminate duty on 80% of the goods traded at present. The two sides have set an ambitious target of achieving an increase of $10 billion worth of trade in the first year after the agreement comes into force from January 2010. Now you know, now you know why Kissinger and the Brzezinski's and the big boys keep propping on about the, uh, the up-and-coming nations and they always mention India. See, these guys knew years ago when they signed this agreement for India. You guys were the last to know what's even going on in the world, but these guys know years, years ago. They knew years ago. And it's a great deal because, see, what it means is that the countries are already in, the first world countries are in. The same thing happened here in Canada and the States. For Mexico and other Latin American countries are coming into the NAFTA deal. We pay to bring up their society, medical, education, and so on. The tax money of the first world countries pays for that. It's not a great deal, but we also, they, they also pollute as much as they want. They have to put all these caps on pollution, etc. But they also um, can, they don't have to change their taxation system from importing stuff from your country or banning it all together. But, and, but they don't have to pay you back uh, uh, the taxes that you would have for trade on their goods. So they get, they get the best of all deals. This is how this thing works, this free trade idea. Until they've come up to a first world standard. This is the idea with China too. Uh, and then, then they start the, the um, uh, then they're part of the, the team. They can't, they don't receive more aid after they become first world. Well, that'll take, what, 20, 30 years according to the big boys. Maybe longer. So basically, we carry them, we, we subsidize them up until then. And, of course, all the big boys then put their factories from somewhere else to there, if it's cheaper. And all of that would have been arranged years ago, too, right down to the big corporations that will move in. So I'll put this up on my site as well. And I thought it was a rumor at first that uh, the U.S. government is um, tracking everyone who looks at any of their websites that's up there for the public to see. But they are. It's actually been admitted uh, from the Washington Post, uh, August 11th, 2009, U.S. web tracking plan uh, stirs privacy fears by Spencer S. Xu and Celia Kang. That's August 11th. The Obama administration is proposing to scale back a long-standing ban on tracking how people use government Internet sites with cookies and other technologies, raising alarms amongst privacy groups. That's what they've been doing, putting cookies on your computer. They're often undetectable, by the way by the regular spyware and uh, because they want to know who's, who's looking into these sites that they put up for you to look at and then they, they do all these different surveys on you and get all your information on you to see why you're interested in that particular topic or that particular site etc maybe you're a problem maker maybe they have objections to what they're proposing etc 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 I'll put this link up as well and just to warn people you see, most of the big um, operations that happen with terrorism that you hear about in Britain and other countries are sting operations set up by the, the governments or the agencies within governments of those very countries. When nothing's happening, they've got to make something appear to be happening. So they put someone out there, give them authority to stir up young guys generally, 
and uh, then convince them they should go and put bombs off or whatever it happens to be. And they set up this thing, they supply them with the gear, the things they make the bomb with. That happened with the first World Trade bombing. FBI gave them the parts to make the bomb. Luckily, one guy reached out and realized he was going to be a patsy and taped his conversations with the FBI handler. And it was played in court in the U.S. That's official. It was in the newspapers. Look back and you'll find them. But they, they do this with everything. They did the same in Canada with some guys, and it was the agency here that set them up the same way. They're going to make bombs, etc. But it also works with the white supremacist groups, who so will be very, very, very careful. And these guys will phone the shows up. Like I get them phoning in at times, and you know darn well that they haven't even been listening to the show because they don't even know who you are. And their whole job is to give you a spiel and leave a website so you'll look into their website to, to draw in young people that they can use and get in trouble and get arrested down the road. I mentioned how um, it was Grant Bristol in the, in the Toronto Star and the Toronto Sun, who is the right-hand man of Ernst Zundo, that came out uh, from his brother-in-law of all people, Bristol's brother-in-law, uh, that Bristol um, attended the synagogue in Toronto and was also a member of the Canadian Secret Intelligence Service. So that's who was managing them beware of provocateurs and what Bristol was doing was giving out private phone numbers of prominent Jews in Toronto so that the skinheads would harass them and then of course the, the Jews who were being harassed would then complain to the government and the government passed the hate laws it's very clever how it's done isn't it very clever how it's done you always have provocateurs and they always come from government just like the big demonstration in Montreal and they found that the guys uh, that they were actually doing all the, the stone throwing and stuff uh, were actually cops. That was in the mainstream as well. Well, here's a guy who's been at this for a long time in white supremacism and so on. And his name is Hal Turner. It's from Breitbart. And I'll put these sites up, these links up on my site at the end of the show. This is Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, a New Jersey blogger faces charges in two states for allegedly making threats against lawmakers and judges. It was trained by the FBI on how to be deliberately provocative, his attorney said Tuesday. Trained by the FBI. Hal Turner worked for the FBI from 2002 to 2007, actually it was lower than that, as an agent provocateur, and was taught by the agency what he could say that wouldn't be crossing the line, defense attorney Michael Orozco said. His job was basically to publish information which would cause other parties to act in a manner which would lead to their arrest. So that's the whole key, get the schmucks in the patsies, and you set them up. Prosecutors have acknowledged that Turner was an informant who spied on radical right-wing organizations, but the defense has said Turner was not working for the FBI when he allegedly made threats against Connecticut. So the, the FBI distanced themselves when he actually made these threats against legislators in Connecticut. And he wrote that three federal judges in Illinois deserve to die. That's what he said. Now, he said much, much worse things before. It says here, but if you compare anything that he did say when he was operating, there was no difference, no difference whatsoever, Orozco said. Special, Special Agent Ross Rice, a spokesman for the FBI in Chicago, said he would not comment on or even confirm Turner's relationship with the FBI. Of course, they won't have to just distance themselves. Orozco spoke to reporters after a court hearing in Hartford on Tuesday. Turner, 47, of North Bergen, New Jersey, did not appear because he's in federal custody in Illinois. He arranged the, his arrangement for the Connecticut charges was scheduled October the 19th. Now, they've got lots of them out there. They always have. 
And believe you me, they have them in all ethnic groups, all ethnic groups, because they want to find those youngsters who are, who are, who are gung-ho for something to be done with the sea injustice, and they know exactly how to get them going, set them up, sting, get a sting operation going, and bang, you're in the slammer. So never be a follower of the guys that seem to say a lot of the right things but go overboard with it and get away with it. The very fact to keep getting away with what they say and you could not tells you who they are. That's your clue. I hope young guys listen to that and, and remember it. And that's the kind of world we truly, truly live in. We're living in a world where very little is real. It's not the way it's presented to you. Put it that way. You have to think for yourself. Now go to the phone calls now, and there's, there's Dennis from Arkansas. Are you there, Dennis? Yes, Alan. Yes. Um, you had a call the other night. Um, the guy started a rant mm-hmm. about the Jews. Yeah. And it got me thinking. Um, uh, th- there's basically two camps in the alternative uh, radio um, and one of them bashes the Jews, and one of them bashes the Jesuits. Yep. Um, I hear the music. Yeah, hold on, and we'll go into that when you come back. Members of of the, the lodge. Yeah. Well, so the, 
this is all calculated to keep us to divide and conquer, to keep us fighting with each other. And That's right. When the boys who are in charge, they, they become the good shepherds. See, the sheep are, are the people who follow and don't know and, and support them, uh, even just because of the same, the same ethnicity to yeah. support them. Uh, without realizing, it's all the same bunch at the top. The shepherds all belong to the same club, and they have the same one agenda. They're all sworn to the same world globalist agenda. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't want to name any names. I'm not into any free publicity. But um, just by the way, I have a, a Sony shortwave in-dash car radio that I got from Orangeville, an outfit up there in Ontario. Yeah. And um, I was just wondering, I'm disabled. I don't have a lot of money, but uh, would you be able to do anything with a postal money order? Because that's how I paid for my radio. A U.S. Um, yeah. Uh, U.S. Postal? Yes. Okay, well... Um, I I just wanted to get a confirmation of what I believe because I've been listening to Shortwave for a long time and I just uh, the guy that called in it uh, I could have been him four or five years ago because it's brainwashing, brainwashing and that that guy was really putting an ad out. Uh, uh, really, that's what he's trying to do is put an ad out on the show. Sound like a robot. Rec- yeah, to recruit more young guys in. He re- yeah. He's reading from a script. Yeah, yeah he sounds like a robot. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want to send a postal order, make sure it's the international one. It's a pink one. Yeah. Pink, pink and orange, not the not the the green one. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll I'll help you out when I can. I I um. Well, I'm not going to go into my personal problems, but um, you're very appreciated. I've been making copies of your shows and cassettes and passing them around. So I hope I can get you some more donors. Thanks for calling. Absolutely. Okay. You take care. And that's the message to everybody. You've got to do your homework to know really who's behind what and find the common connection. There's always a common connection between different groups. You'll find it's the same connection over and over and over. Always. From Hamish, myself, in Ontario, Canada, it's good night. And may your God or your gods go with you. <laughs> <laughs>